<clears throat> Gosh, that made my mouth dry. So many compliments. Hi, good morning. It's so good to be with you. Uh, PK sent me a text this morning, and he sends you all his love. He and Coco are having a little rest. And so I'm so happy to be here this morning. I feel like God has something very special for every single person that's here in this room as well as everyone that's online listening. In fact, those of you online, that thank you for joining. We're so glad that you chose to come and be a part of our service this morning. Type in the chat and let us know where you're watching from. I know that the stage is all a winter wonderland, but I am still stuck in Thanksgiving just for a few minutes, if that's okay. Thanksgiving is such a great time, and I don't know about you, but I had the best Thanksgiving meal, and then the very next morning, I woke up famished. How come that is? How come? I don't know, but I just woke up the next morning dreaming of mashed potatoes, and I wanted more pie, and I just, oh my goodness, it's kind of crazy. I, I found these Thanksgiving memes. I thought that maybe they would, I don't know, be something we could look at together. <laughs> now, now, the turkey and the taco doesn't work in our house because we love tacos, so I don't know. I hope you didn't do that. Don't tell me if you did. <laughs> all right, so the turkey thanks you for all the vegetarians in the room. The turkey loves you. Yes, yeah, so, so a couple weeks ago, Pastor was talking about consumerism. And he was talking about how it just doesn't satisfy. It doesn't bring the joy. It's fleeting. And it leaves us hungry for more. And yet, there is one thing that satisfies our souls, right? The one thing, the one person that satisfies our souls is Jesus. Yeah. I read that the fruit of thanksgiving should be freedom from the constant grind of wanting more in this world. There's something really beautiful about being content. David talks about it in Psalms. He says that I have quieted myself like a little child resting in the arms of its mother, just peaceful and content, happy. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Mm. I want to live every day of my life like that, all through the holiday season and beyond. Yeah, I do. So Jesus, we invite you here. You are welcome in this place. Come, oh Father, and open up our minds to hear what you want to say. Open our hearts to receive every single thing that you have for us. We are ready. We are open. And you can do, Holy Spirit, whatever it is you want to do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
hey, I like that you're talking to me. Thank you. I want you to keep on talking to me. I know you love to talk to PK, so keep on talking to me. It really helps when you're up here. Um, so we're going to be in the book of Joshua. If you have your Bible, go to Joshua 9. And I'm just going to give you a little background really quick. So, so Moses and the Israelites came out of Egypt. They came out of slavery. And they are supposed to go into the promised land. Joshua is with Moses during this time. He's a younger man. And in Joshua 1, what we discover is that Moses has died. And now Joshua is going to be the leader tasked with taking the Israelites into the promised land. Now, it's not just land that God's talking about, though they are going to go in and take a territory. And this territory was promised the Israelites way back in Genesis. But the promised land also represents for the Israelites the favor and blessing of God on their lives, the fulfillment of the promise that he gave them, that God had always been with them and he would always continue to be with them. And those same promises are true for us. Thank you. They are true for us. Every single thing that is written in the Bible that was written for them is also for us. The promises are true for us today. And so I'm so glad that God gave us the word of God. Those promises for us bring life, fulfillment, purpose, contentment. They also help us, right? The Holy Spirit says that he will help us grow in the fruit of his spirit, which is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. So in Joshua 1, God says to Joshua and the Israelites, go now to this land I promised you. And this is the promise God says, I will be with you. Be strong, Joshua. Be courageous. Every single place that you put your foot, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give you. And so Joshua and the Israelites agree with God, and they say, let's do it. And they've come across into the promised land, and they've also defeated a couple of really big fortified cities. Both Jericho and I have fallen at this point, and they were cities that shouldn't have fallen. So now we get to Joshua 9, and we'll read. It's Joshua 9, 1 through 4. It says, Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, the kings in the hill country in the western foothills and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea, far as Lebanon, they came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. However... When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to a ruse. Now, the Gibeonites, as well as all of the kings of the land, are afraid. They're afraid. It says they had heard of what Joshua and the Israelites were doing, and they knew that their God was fighting for them. And the kings say... Let's all stick together, because maybe if we stick together, 
Maybe we could wage war against Joshua and be successful. And how many of you know when we are afraid, there's usually three areas that you, you walk in when you're afraid. You either fight, right? And the kings got together and they said, let's try to fight. Also, when you're afraid, you will run or flight or you'll freeze and you'll try to hide. And the Gibeonites, it says, they resort to a ruse, which is a form of trickery. They want to deceive or mislead and leave a false impression. And so the fear in the Gibeonites made them think that maybe they could hide by being sneaky in this area. Now, how many of you know that this is not unlike what the enemy does to us today? He tries to use fear to trick us. Yeah. You know, because fear holds me back, right? Fear always makes things smaller. It constricts my life. But God's love brings freedom. It brings light. It brings brightness. Yeah. And it's God's desire that all of us live in his freedom. So he's made a way for us to do that. We can all live in God's freedom. We don't have to live in fear. We don't need to be tricked by the enemy. In fact, we can move in the opposite direction. So I felt like God had another level of freedom for me. Uh, I had been struggling with fear um, for a long time. And, and this is something that kind of morphs into different kinds of fears at different times in my life. It's been a really interesting thing. And I don't know where this came from, but all of a sudden I started struggling with heights. And I started kind of struggling with going over bridges. And we live in a city full of bridges. And I'm in a perfectly good car and everything is fine and safe, and yet going over a bridge is starting to cause anxiety within me. And you know, whatever we tend to focus on starts to grow. Have you noticed that? So if I focus on the fear, all of a sudden the fear starts to grow. But if I focus on what God says and the truth, then that starts to grow. So the Lord and I have been talking about this strange new fear of heights that I was dealing with. And I thought I had been doing a pretty good job of getting over that fear. And I thought we had made some really good progress. And then just a couple months ago, uh, my daughter, so we have, we have three children, but they're not children anymore. They're all in their 20s. And our youngest daughter, Ariana, came to me one day and she says, Mom, Mom, I have a great idea. I think we should go skydiving. And I, and I said to this beautiful daughter of mine, I think it's a great idea for you to go skydiving. And she said, well, no, you don't understand. It's Brianna's birthday. That would be our other daughter. It's Brianna's birthday. And I think it would be really amazing if we skydived. And again, I said... I think it's great that you and your siblings want to go skydiving. Have fun. And she says, no, you don't understand. I think you and dad should go with us. It should be a family event. And the excitement that I had for her in the moment turned to terror. 
as I thought for a second about what that would look like for me to actually step out of a perfectly good, well-maintained flying plane. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. But then this thought went through my head. And this is the thought. This is exactly what you need to do to move in the opposite of the fear that you and I are working to overcome. Now, when that went through my brain, I really wanted to say that that was the enemy. (laughs) But it wasn't the enemy. The enemy wouldn't say something like that to me. Who's working on the fear? It's the Lord and I. So I had a better idea. I said, I know what we'll do. We will ask your very reasonable father what he thinks. Because certainly he will say, this is a ridiculous idea. And so (laughs) the kids went and asked their dad what he thought about this. And he said, he thought it was wonderful. Let's all do it. Let's do this thing. So I got to tell you, I spent a lot of time in prayer because I said yes, but then I still needed to come into a place of peace. I needed to come into a place where I knew that, God, are you going to protect? It wasn't so much about my safety. You know how that is if you're a mom. You're concerned about the safety of your children. Right? And so, God, will you protect my children? Will you protect, you know, will it be a, I need it to be a fun day for everybody. And I got to tell you, this strange, really amazing peace came over me. I was at such peace and such rest. And so, here we go. Here's just a few pictures from this day. Here we are. So, you've got Arlen and Lori, the the very next daughter next to me, that's Ariana. That was the one that had the great idea. And then we have Mega. Mega is our daughter-in-law. And then next is Fran. I'll come back to Fran. She's right in the middle. And then Brianna, that it was her birthday that we were celebrating. And our son, AJ, who's married to Mega. And so on this day, all of the Hill family was jumping out of a plane for the very first time. And Fran in the middle there, she was going to jump out of the plane for her 100th time. And she's one of our friends, and she, she absolutely loves this. So that's us on the ground. Here we go. It's the tiniest of planes. I had no idea. And Fran doesn't jump with anybody. She, she jumps on her own, but we all jump with someone. Now, this picture here, I, I didn't realize how high up we were going to go. I knew we had to go up high, but that's a long ways down. They told me we were at 14,000 feet, which is the top of Mount Hood. And that's me leaving the plane. (laughs) There goes Mega. And this is Brianna. I love the picture of the waving to the plane in the background. What? And then, yes, flying. (sighs) So I got to tell you, it was exhilarating for me. (laughs) I had such a huge adrenaline rush. When I got to the bottom and landed, I said, can we go again? (laughs) It was so fun. 
Now, the rest of my family doesn't feel that way, but I had such a great rush. And I thought, wow, it's good I didn't do this when I was young, because then I would have been maybe too risky. So it was wonderful, and I'm really glad I did it. I had to face my natural fear, right, that it was limiting me. And God wanted a new place of freedom for me. So the freedom that God has for us goes beyond just a behavior or an act, something like that. Rather, it's God moving deeply within us, right? Transforming our heart and our soul. And then me being able to come to a place where I'm not motivated by fear or self-protection, but I'm motivated by peace and trust in God. And so since the jump, I, I'm walking in a whole new level of freedom and I don't know what, what we're going to do next, but we're going to do something next. I don't know. And oh, by the way, this is my disclaimer to all of you. I am not suggesting in any way that any of you or online jump out of a plane. I'm not saying that this morning. I'm saying that God has a new level of freedom for you. And so whatever that is for you that you need to do, that's, that's what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. Okay. So let's go back and look at Joshua 9 again. Let's go back to our story. So the Gibeonites resort to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet, and they wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp, and they said to him, We've come from a distant land. Make a treaty with us. The Israelites said to them, but perhaps you live near us. How can we make a treaty with you? They said, we're your servants. Joshua says, but where do you come from? Who are you? And they answer, your servants have come from a very distant land. Because of the fame of the Lord your God, for we have heard reports of him and all he did in Egypt and all he did to the two kings. And our elders and all of those living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey, go and meet them, say to them, we're your servants, make a treaty with us. This bread was warm when we packed it, but now you can see how dry and moldy it is. And the wineskins, they were new, but see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals are worn out from the very long journey. The Israelites sampled the provisions, but didn't inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath. And three days later, the Israelites discover that the Gibeonites are their next-door neighbors. So look at what the Israelites do. They listen to the story, right? They looked with their eyes, and they saw the clothing and the old cracked wineskins. And I'm sure that they could probably smell them. It says that they touched their provision. And they even tasted their provision, which I wasn't sure why they needed to taste the moldy bread. But they tasted the provision. They used it all the senses that God had given them to try to make a decision and discern if these people had come from a distance or not, if they were lying. And they didn't inquire of God. They forgot to ask God. 
No one stopped and said, I know what it looks like. I know what it sounds like. But maybe we should ask God, what did God say? You know, we have a very real enemy. And this enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he will use whatever measure it takes, even a little trickery. First Peter says, stay alert. Watch out for your very great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. God desires us to stand against the enemy and stand instead on the promises that he's given us. We get to stand on the promises that God has given us. If we go back and look at Joshua 1 again, the Israelites had been given the promises. God had already told them, the land is yours. Take no captives. Go forth. You're going to get the land No one will stand against you. It's okay. Go forth. Do it. But they forgot. They took a shortcut. They, it just seemed, I think, so obvious to them that these people had to have come from a long ways away. And they forgot that they were on God's mission, and that's why they forgot to ask God about it. The promised land is connected to God and his mission within us as well. Yeah. And you know what? It's true. Sometimes I take shortcuts too. I'm not any different from anybody else. I often make decisions based on what I see or what I think or what I feel in the moment. Sometimes I make decisions based on what my checkbook says. And, and many t- every time, every time. If I just stop and ask the Lord, it's usually something that doesn't make sense, but he always takes care of it. He always takes care of whatever it is he asks me to do or any decision he asks me to make. So what has God done for you in the past? What has he promised you? Because that's what you stand on. You know, the Bible is full of the promises of God. That's why it's so important for us to be in the word of God, to be reading the word of God, to be memorizing it so that the enemy can't trick us up. What is the truth that you stand on when the enemy tries to trick you? Joshua 9:15 says, "Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them." And he let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. They made a peace treaty with the enemy. And the enemy remained in their lives, in the camp, always a reminder to them that they had made peace with the enemy, that they were not supposed to. For us, I think, the agreement with the enemy starts in our thoughts. It's the territory of our mind that he tries to mess with. What peace have you made with the enemy? Have you agreed with what he says and not about what God says about who you are 
Now, I would say that anytime we make peace with the enemy, that's an area that God wants us to be set free in. Anytime. And it can look different from, for all of us, right? Making an agreement with the enemy can look like a feeling. It can look like a thought. Sometimes it can be an addiction or a habit in our life we just don't feel like we can get rid of. For me, I know it does. It starts in my head. It starts in my head. Even working up to speaking today. It's all this last week, I was battling with thoughts in my head, right? Thoughts like, what are you doing up there? What do you have to say? Who do you think you are? And comparison too, right? And I had to take those thoughts captive and say, wait a minute, is that what God says about me? Or is that the enemy trying to speak something to me to get me off course, to distract me, to use trickery against me? Let me, let me give you just a few other examples of some of the things that the enemy uses. He loves for us to make agreements with our value. So things like, I'm not worthy, or I'm not worthy to be loved. I'm not enough. Maybe I'm insignificant. How about I'll always be a failure, struggle? Maybe I will always struggle, or I'll never be loved or find the right person, or I'll always be trapped and I won't be free. These are lies of the enemy. These are lies of the enemy. We do not have to agree with every thought that goes through our head. Oh, let's say that again. We do not have to agree with every thought that goes through our head. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You have been given the power in Jesus Christ to take thoughts captive and make them line up with the truth. Yeah, you do not have to agree with everything that goes through your brain. And I'm not talking about positive thinking. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we are aligning our hearts and our minds with the truth of who God says that you are. And we begin to retrain our minds to think what God thinks about us. To ask the questions, what are you thinking about me? And what does the Bible say about me? And I guarantee you that if you have negative thoughts going through your mind, that's not the Lord. That's not him. He only says good things to us. Yeah. The enemy has no power in your life except what you give him in agreement. That's it. Nothing. So let's do something. Let's just take a minute, if you will, and just ask Jesus. Say, Jesus, are there any agreements that I have been making with the enemy?
Have I made a treaty of peace with the enemy in any aspect of my life? This week, this morning, when you looked in the mirror, Will you just close your eyes and pray with me this morning? Jesus, this morning I recognize that I have made agreements or peace with the enemy. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask that you break that agreement in Jesus' name. Yeah. I ask that you set us free from any agreements that we have made that are not the truth about who you are and who you say I am. And I send those agreements with the enemy away. You cannot be in my life. You do not have a rightful place. You have to go in Jesus' name. Jesus, show me your truth this morning. Just ask him, Jesus, how do you see me? Jesus, we want to step into the truth of everything you have for us. Absolutely everything. We want your truth to flood our brains and our bodies. Thank you, God, that your mercy and kindness follow me all the days of my life. Remind me, God, of the promises that you have spoken over my life. And so, Jesus, today we break those negative agreements and we ask, Jesus, what do you want to replace it with? Who does he want to be for you today? He would tell you that you are accepted, he would say that you are loved unconditionally. He would say that he was your friend, that you're complete in him. You don't need anything else, just him. He would tell you that you're secure and that your value is found in him. He would say that you are significant, that you matter. And he has a plan and a purpose for you that is good Jesus, thank you for breaking the agreements that we have made and helping us step into the truth of who you are and who you want to be for us. Amen. You know, the invitation to walk this journey with Jesus always involves other people. It can't just be you on your own. We all need support. We need someone who will speak the truth to us. Yeah. And we need to hear from the word of God and what he says. So if you happen to not be in a group, uh, would you just pray about joining maybe even a journal group? Because those are the groups that go right into the word of God and hear what he has to say to you.
And let's agree this morning that we're gonna practice. This isn't like a one and done and it's over thing. This is something that we put into practice. And so Philippians 4.9 says this, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard me say and saw me doing, then the peace of God will be with you. And so this morning, all we're going to do as we walk out the door is we're going to keep on practicing taking those thoughts captives and then submitting them, aligning them with the word of God and saying, God, what is your truth? Because I only want to walk and live in your truth. And I am confident of this, that he is going to give you absolutely everything you need Hebrews 4 says this, I can find grace and mercy to help in my time of need. He's going to give you everything you need so you can move forward in this area for further freedom. It's all about being free in Christ while we live on this earth. So this morning as we go, we're going to listen to a very beautiful song Abby's going to sing in just a second. And and. In the words of this song, there's a part that says that we stand. We stand. If you need to take a physical posture to stand up, raise your hands, kneel, whatever that is, to make a declaration, and you're going to be saying, you know what? Today's a new day for me. Today, I'm taking a stand against what the enemy has done, how he has tricked me, and I'm going to instead stand for the promises of God in my life, who he is and what he has for me. I'm going to stand for the truth. So if you need to do that, take whatever posture you need and let this song be a prayer over your life.